COVID-19, oh, we need a vaccine at this moment. It means everything. Please wear your mask and stay six feet back. Total shutdown. COVID-19. From somewhere on Lake Erie, it's two middle-aged men in Cleveland, featuring odor judge Barry Druitt. And now, your personal trainers, Ken Dworznik and Ted Clark. Thank you so much to our in-studio audience, and hello again, everybody, episode 21 of two middle-aged men in Cleveland is here. Ted Klopp here, Ken Dworznik there. And if it sounds a little echoey, it's because I'm in a condo that I own and I am repairing it to get ready to sell it. So do a little work here and trying to get things done. Ken, how are you? I'm good. And it's too bad people can't see the video right now, Ted, because uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you with a sleeveless shirt on. I think it's amazing. This is the physique of the week right here. Yep. Congratulations. I have a mousetrap update. Last week we talked about uh, the problem we were having in our home with mice. Well, two things have happened since last week. Number one, we caught one. Ooh, congrats. It cleaned us out another day or two, and my wife put cheese on the traps, and then we got one. But as you know, Ken, if you catch one mouse, the odds are pretty good there's more than one. Yes. So my wife wanted to take care of this in quick order. So for the last week, we have had not two mouse traps like we had before, but in our kitchen, which is not a big kitchen, we have had six mouse traps. Six mouse traps. You were at war with the mice. You were one of them went off. I accidentally stepped on one. Fortunately, I had a shoe on. My son stepped on one, and that was unpleasant at best. But we are starting to think that there aren't any more mice. We're thinking that this might be a loner. So we'll I think let everybody be... know next week if we catch the Well, I think you've, you've cleaned out the mice, it sounds like, not just for the area where you're at, maybe for the entire town of Cleveland Heights. I mean, could be. You, might be, you could be cleaning them all out. and You should get some extra payment from the mayor or something like that. Just call us the Pied Piper of Cleveland Heights. You got it. Well, Ken, what do we have coming up on the show today? Well, we're going to be talking to an odor judge. That's a right, what? an odor judge. Yeah, odor yep. Judge? Odor judge, buddy. Yep. Who's he going to judge, you or me? Well, I think we both need some judgment, but uh, he's going to tell us about his very interesting job. Uh, of course, we have Klopp's Clips, where we learn about a man with a very unique face covering, one that was alive. Hmm. That's interesting. Plus, the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8 Scott Sable, is back to play Forecast Roulette. And now, a woman's perspective. Motherhood is always with you, usually in the form of something kind of gross on part of your clothing. This has been a woman's perspective. Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one 
for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Blah 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 Our guest today is from Princeton Consumer Research. He tells us that he's been sniffing under people's arms for about 25 years. We're going to find out what that's all about today. He is an odor judge. That's the official name of his job. We welcome Barry Druitt to the show. Barry Thanks for your time. Tell me what an odor judge is. At PCL, we test products for big companies that manufacture and sell any type of product that is there to either mask a smell or maybe stop you from sweating and producing the bacteria that then turns into this horrendous odor. So our job at PCR is to test those new formulations for our clients. So you as a manufacturer would send us your products, we would recruit 150 people, we would put them on a placebo product for about 14 days, let anything that they've got already under their arms get out, any products that had aluminium or anything like that that would stop you from sweating. We actually give them a placebo product so that over a two-week period, those aluminiums and salts that stop all that bacteria from forming and causing a smell actually dissipate and go away. And so by the time they come to my group, they're really stinky after 14 days of not actually having anything under their arms. And so we take a baseline reading on that first day to try and get them qualified to take part in the clinical trial. And then over a period of a week, one arm's treated with the test product and one actually is either treated with a placebo product with no active or it's actually not treated at all. So that particular arm starts to get worse over that week period again so that's basically in a nutshell what we do and you're the head odor judge at princeton consumer research how many odor judges are there at your specific research area we have eight trained odor judges and they will they're trained in different grading scales of odor basically we separate them out to do different body parts so i'm primarily auxilla which is the underarm and feet. But we do have judges who's, who are trained to sniff tampons or any other kind of nappy linings or panty linings, things like that, just to see if they've worked during the use of that product. Now, you said that you've trained these people. 
can anyone do this or do you have to have an ability to smell certain things? Can anybody smell and tell what kind of deodorant works or do you, is, that a, is that a gift? <laughs> well, some people would say it was a gift for sure. Some people would say it was a nightmare too. What a nightmare job. But actually, it's, an, it's not a bad job at all. But I think in terms of training, you've either got the gift to smell or you've not. And some people's sense of smell is completely different from others. Those people suffering with sinus issues and that kind of thing are not going to be very good at this job. But those that have an acute sense of smell can actually smell other things like we're trained to smell cancers on the skin. We can smell all sorts of different things from different fragrances of food that comes through the pores. Our senses are so attuned to what we're smelling for and we're trained over a three to five year period on a different smell until we can actually get that smell in our head and record a number to attach to that smell. So anybody's underarm is going to smell after a while of treatment and no washing, but it's at what degree it's going to smell. You know, and I remember living in London and being on the tubes every day and people were holding on for dear life as the train <laughs> things were packed out. And all you could smell was body odor. That was a nightmare for me. It's easy if you actually enjoy it. People say to me all this time, so do you have some kind of an underarm odor fetish or something? Why, why, have you got a foot fetish? Why are you sniffing people's feet? But, okay, maybe I do. <laughs> So how would one know if they have the gift, so to speak? Well, to be honest with you, you even know you can smell or you can't. A lot of people wouldn't even be able to do it. Smelling somebody's feet up close and personal is going to knock some people sick. So they're just not going to apply for the job. But you will know what kind of smells that you know, you're more attuned to. And for us, we just need you to have a little bit of a sensory understanding of a different type of smell and how powerful that smell is. But, you know, we wouldn't expect somebody just starting to have all that ability straight away. So a lot of training has to go into making you a qualified odor grader. So when an odor judge gets hired, they get through the training. What's a ballpark starting salary? Well, I think the starting salary for a junior is probably around 80000 I think once you're qualified, you're looking at probably, I don't know, after your first, second year, 150000 160000 a year. So tell yeah, me about that, that process. When you're judging, what do you do? The aim is to get as close as you possibly can into the auxilla without your actual facial structure touching the other person's underarm. And so we actually use a cone. And the cone basically is one of those water cups that you get out of a fountain with the end cut off. That's it. It's really simple. So we cut the end of one of the cones and that acts as the barrier between the person who's doing the sniffing and the person who is sniffing. So that goes against the skin, our nose goes up to the cone, and then we sniff and give a grade. And then that's repeated under the other arm. When you're all done, you've judged enough. Does the company that makes the deodorant, do they get a report back? What, what is the outcome of the judging from the deodorant or whatever the manufacturer is, they get a report that says this is good or it isn't or whatever? Yeah, absolutely. So basically each product comes with clinical claims. So if a product on the package says this product will protect you for 
all day or it will protect you for 24 hours. They have to prove that. So that means to get an end claim of a number, so eight hour protection, 24, some even say 48 hours and 72 hours now. To get that, it means that they were assessed at that time point after the last application of the product. So if I sprayed somebody or applied a product under their arm today and we wanted a 24-hour claim on that, that means for 24 hours after the application, they can't wash under the arm, they can't do anything at all, but come back and have an assessment at that time point. If it was that they wanted 72 hours, a three-day claim, then basically they wouldn't wash or do anything under that arm for that period of time, and then they would come back and we would reassess them. All of that data then gets sent to our stats team. They run the stats on it, and then eventually a report gets made that can then go out to Walgreens or HSN or QVC, wherever that product's going to be sold, the manufacturer of the product has to provide the report to show that that product's actually been tested. So it's actually an FDA legal requirement that these products actually have a report to substantiate the claims that they're making. I know we joke and it looks really funny when people see us on different TV shows. Good Morning America always has us on and, you know, we did to tell the truth and all of that kind of stuff. And, and it's great and we can make a joke out of it. But, you know, odour and that kind of thing really affects people's lives. People really suffer with issues around odour. So for a lot of people, it's a massive thing to actually eventually find a product that works for them because it makes their life so much more easier at work when they know their colleagues are not talking about them in the break room about their their whiffiness under their arm or anywhere else on the body you know so when a company comes to you and says we want you to test our product is there a ballpark cost that you're willing to share as to you know what that process costs it will cost anywhere from forty thousand dollars to $300,000, again, depending on the claims. Um, I don't know, a lot of companies might come to us not just for um, specifically testing a new product, but they might be facing a challenge from a competitor company or a member of the public who wants to challenge them in court regarding their product's efficacy. You know, so a client might come to us and say, look, uh, we're being challenged. We've got a competitor company that says their product is better than ours. We want to disprove this. So, you know, we need to get a litigation file together. And part of that litigation file is going to revolve around what you do and what results you get from your data in the clinical testing that you do. So, you know, we need to prove that our product's now better than these competitor products. And so, again, for that kind of stuff, because of the amount of follow-up work and the court appearances to be expert witnesses and all of that kind of stuff, it's gonna run into hundreds of thousands. Fascinating stuff. Um, we like to play a game with our guests. Can we get you to oh. stick around and play a game with us? Absolutely, let's do it. Hear ye, hear ye. Let's take a look at the weird law now and how it got to be a law. In Colorado, it's illegal to keep a couch on your porch. Boulder busted the University of Colorado for burning couches, causing a law to go into effect. So no couches on porches in Colorado. The most trusted name in journalism. 
Cyclops Clips. Yes, the voice of truth and reason in an otherwise crazed society, Clops Clips, is back with more unique news. A dentist in Alaska is headed to prison for 12 years for reckless endangerment and illegally practicing dentistry. Among the specific things he did, he extracted a patient's tooth while riding a hoverboard. Let me say that one more time. Those words don't normally come in that order. He extracted a patient's tooth while riding on a hoverboard. Cell phone video shows Dr. Seth Lockhart working on a patient and then riding away on the hoverboard with his hands in the air. He supposedly texted the video to some friends, calling it a new standard of care. Obviously, we're not in Alaska, but I don't know if I would be interested in working with Dr. Seth Lockhart. It sounds like he's riding down the hallway on the hoverboard like he just scored a touchdown. I wonder if he took the tooth and spiked it. Right. I don't understand that. That's I know a lot of friends that are dentists, and that's probably the last thing you'd want to do. See I mean, he's probably guy. showing off for his buddies, but that's... He just lost business there, my friend. No uh, I think he did more than lose business, but uh, a man was spotted on a bus in England wearing what initially appeared to be an odd-looking face mask. It quickly became obvious that this was, however, not a standard face mask. No, this was a snake that slithered over the handrails. Face masks are required in England, and police say that a snake They've clarified this now, Ken, so you're aware. A snake, yes. not a proper face covering. I needed that description and that update. I actually understand. I don't know if I would ever choose a snake as my face covering, but I know in the future that is not an animal I would choose to cover my face. If you wear a snake as a face mask, my guess is you won't have any problem with social distancing. No, I think you're going to be good with that, yes. An 11-year-old Florida boy got in trouble for a mask that he wore to school. His teacher told him to take the mask off, and he asked why. So the teacher told him to go ask the principal. The principal told the boy that his Hooters mask was inappropriate for school, and he had to take it off and wear a different mask. The boy's dad does not agree with the school. Stephen Golba says their family eats together at Hooters because they have the best chicken wings. They eat as a family. He says they also watch sports there and eat chocolate cake when they go there, which is quite frequently. Wow. Mask. Nope. Get that off. Uh, of course he's going for the chicken wings. Everyone does, of course. Yeah, I'll bet he has a subscription to a certain magazine that he reads for the articles, too. Sporting news? <clears throat> okay. A picture of a wedding RSVP card has made it online with lots of reaction. Pay attention here now, Ken. I know you'll be getting married next year. This RSVP asks guests to indicate the amount of money they will be giving as a gift. Oh. The better the gift indicated, the better the meal they will get at the reception. Hmm. The loving gift category is up to $250 and gets you a choice of roast chicken or swordfish. Moving up the ladder, a silver gift goes from $250 to $500. Bucks adding sliced steak and poached salmon as meal options. 500 to to $1,000 includes the previous choices, or you can have a filet mignon, 
or lobster tails. Now, if you give the happy couple more than $1,000, well, you get to dine on a two-pound lobster, and you will also get a souvenir champagne goblet. Wow. I mean, I, I do think this is kind of a good idea. The, my question is, if I give $20, what now, do I get? Do I get a McDonald's cheeseburger at Arthur Treacher's, or what do I get here? You might get half the peace sign. I don't know. Could be. The Ig Nobel Prize winners have been announced. Ten of these satirical prizes have been awarded each year since 1991 to, quote, honor achievements that make people laugh first and then make them think. This year's recipients include psychologists who came up with a way to identify narcissists by looking at their eyebrows, doctors who diagnosed the medical condition misophonia, which is distress at hearing other people make chewing noises, and scientists from Kent State University in Kent, Ohio, who froze human feces into knives and then noted that the knives did not hold up well cutting. Okay, I don't even know what to say on that. It's the big Nobel Prize winners. Wow, okay. And that is a great place to close up this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. Time now for Where That Come From. As we examine a popular phrase and its origin, this week's phrase is bury the hatchet. This one dates back to when the Puritans were in conflict with the Native Americans. When negotiating peace, the Native Americans would bury all their hatchets, knives, clubs, and tomahawks. Weapons literally were buried and made inaccessible. Bury the hatchet. Now you know where that came from. It's game time now, and we welcome back Barry Druitt, our odor judge. We're going to play uh, the matchup game. I have answered these questions. I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock, and I'm going to ask you as many as we can get in in 30 seconds. Then we'll ask Ken, and we'll see who matches more of the uh, answers with my answers. Are you, are you ready for that? Are you up for that? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, here we go. I will start the clock with your first answer. Name something that moves slowly. A snail. How long would you say an unbearable commute would be? Five minutes. <laughs> Name something that goes up and down. Um, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Oh my God, a pogo stick. Okay. At work, how many minutes in an hour do you actually work? Too many. <laughs> 20 hours a day, almost. What would a person from Texas say their favorite type of music is? Country and Western. And that is uh, 30 seconds. All right, now, Ken, we are going to see if you can match more of my answers to these questions than Barry did. You'll have 30 seconds to get through as many as we can, and I will begin the timer with your first answer. Are you ready? I don't have a choice. Okay, here we go. Name something that moves very slowly. A worm. How long would you say is an unbearable commute? One hour. 
Name something that goes up and down. A swing. At work, how many minutes in an hour do you actually work? Ten. What would a person from Texas say their favorite type of music is? Country music. What would you find in a haunted house? A ghost. There you go. All right, let's review the answers here, and we'll compare them with my answers. Question number one, name something that moves very slowly. Barry said snail. Ken said worm. I said snail. Ken, you're losing one to nothing. This is not surprising. No. How long would you say an unbearable commute would be? Barry said five minutes. Ken said an hour. I said 45 minutes. So nobody gets a point there. Name something that goes up and down. Barry said a pogo stick. Ken said a swing. I said an elevator. No points there. Next question. At work, how many minutes in an hour do you actually work? Barry said he just works all day. Ken said 15 minutes. He's a hard worker. I said 45 minutes. So Barry still leads one to nothing. What would a person from Texas say their favorite type of music is? Barry said country. Ken said country. I said country. Ken, yes. you're still losing two to one, but you're on the board. There's a gleam. There's a gleam. Next question. What would you find in a haunted house? Barry didn't get to this one. Ken said ghosts, so he's got a chance to tie. I said cobwebs. Well, Barry, congratulations. You came out on top. You got more matches. You got two. So congratulations. And uh, uh, what, yeah. did I win? what did I win? Send uh, I'll, send, I'll send you some deodorant. How's that? <laughs> no, I got too much of that. In the you got too much. Okay, fair enough. Well, Barry drew it from uh, Princeton Consumer Research. Thank you very much. If people are curious, if they're looking for more information on Princeton Consumer Research, or maybe if they have something that they would like to get tested, what should they do? Where can they find you? Absolutely. Just go on our website, princetonconsumer.com, and all the information's on there. All right. Very good, Barry. Congratulations. I know you're going to put this right up there with all of your other accolades. Uh, so. oh, absolutely. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me on. And thank you thank very you, much. Thank you for recommending me. Ted Klopp here for Westminster AV, offering custom audio-visual packages for all occasions, including business meetings, weddings, graduations, banquets, and more. So if you're looking to transform an in-person event to virtual, Westminster AV has a variety of solutions for you. Pharmaceutical companies hosting dinner events can find plenty of professional support from Westminster AV. No event too big nor too small. More information can be found by going to westminsterav.com or give them a call, 216-325-6960. Forecast Roulette with the official, 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 the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. It's that time once again, ladies and gentlemen. We bring in the world famous, the official meteorologist of two middle aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. Big voice, right he's one of the best. Yep. He's one of the best. Okay, Scott, 
We're ready for forecast roulette. The question is, are you ready? I am certainly ready. Oh, Ted, you spun the wheel last week. I did, and we came up with a Wagadougou. Thank God you said that, because I can't say that. And then the previous week, I think we had Bacon Level Alabama. Yeah. So I spun the wheel last time. You spun it last week and did it backwards. What should we do this week? Should we have Scott spin it? I think that's a great idea. All right, All right Scott, I'm ready. Go ahead. Spin All right, the here wheel. We go. Don't look at the cities. One, two, yeah, hold three. Here eyes. we go. All right, there it is. There it goes. Slowing down. I don't think we're going to have a Wagadougou again. All right, no, we don't. We have this time we have, <clears throat> oh, boy. Booger Hole, West Virginia. Booger Hole, West Virginia. That's an interesting pick. I do know where Booger Hole, West Virginia is. It is in Clay County, which is right off of I-79. I know that because I've driven I-79 from Charleston back to Pittsburgh and Clarksburg a bunch of times when I lived down there. And I remember passing a little sign that said Booger Hole, West Virginia, and wondering, what is that? And now, here we are 20 years later. And it's coming back to haunt me again. My God. Lucky you. <laughs> what would our weather be in Booger Hole, West Virginia? Well, in Booger Hole, West Virginia, now you got to understand West Virginia, there's a lot of hills, <laughs> and, hills and valleys. And so a lot of times, depending upon where you are on the hill or in the valley, sometimes the sun might not rise until 11 a.m. if you're right there in the, in the, you're right there in the bottom of the valley. And it might set at 4 o'clock in the afternoon because it blocks the sun. So assuming that the center of Booger Hole, West Virginia is in the one of those middle of the valleys, you're going to get a lot of cool mornings. Tomorrow morning should be around 65 with a high tomorrow afternoon at 86 degrees, mostly sunny, incredibly humid with winds out of the west at 5 to 15. I could get up there in, in heat. How many people will we have in Booger Hole, West Virginia? Big metropolis? Or are we looking I, at a smaller city? I don't know, but I can tell you that Booger Hole, the name actually comes from the local usage of the word boogeyman. So they apparently abbreviated it, and uh, we have Booger Hole. I believe a, a lot of people, I think there was some, um, uh, shall we say, some violent crimes occurred in that town way back in the day. You know, I, I see that, it, and it says like that... past, too, yeah. It says that although folklore has that the community's name was derived from that violence. A contemporary press account clearly shows that the community was already called Booger Hole at the time of those incidents. This is Holy according God. to my quick Google search on Wikipedia, and we know that if it's on Wikipedia, it must be true. Correct. 100%. Never yeah. wrong. Never. All right, so we got the forecast for Booger Hole, West Virginia. And I think we've now set the Guinness World Record for the number of times we can say booger hole in one segment. Forecast Roulette with the official, 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 the official meteorologist of two middle-aged men in Cleveland, Fox 8's Scott Sable. Not a dad joke. Why can't a nose be 12 inches long? Because then it would be a foot. That joke was horrible. Ted, another edition of Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Were you surprised, as I was, talking to the man about his job 
and the odor person smelling. Armpits. It's kind of a stinky job, but apparently pays a pretty good chunk of change, so can't be all bad. I guess that's something that's needed, particularly for deodorant companies. Just one of those unique jobs out there. Well, Ted, we had some Facebook likes. Did you know this? Do you like Facebook likes? Of course. We have Frank Zumo, Dan the Man Chandler, (laughs) the Dr. Ray Hype, Lisa Osborne, and Dan Shaderick. Ted, where else can people find us or interact with us on social media? Well, they can go to 2MAMIC on Instagram. They can go to at 2MAMICLE on Twitter. Or they can go to anchor.fm slash 2MAMICLE and leave us a voicemail. There's a link right there with a little plus sign and the word message. Click that, leave us a message, ask a question, and we will answer your question on a future episode. While we're talking about social media, a quick note that our friend who was on the podcast not too long ago, the great Johnny Paradise, who is every man's nightmare and every woman's dream, he shared with us that he was going to propose to his girlfriend. He yes. did so over the weekend, and she oh. said, so congratulations to him. Oh, that's and awesome. you find Johnny Paradise or Chris Hahn on Facebook or Twitter, congratulate him and tell him you heard him on Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Will she go with Mrs. Paradise, you think? I think she should. I think she should, too. Yeah. That's cool. Very yeah. cool. So he's tying the knot, and now apparently he's – one woman's dream. One woman. Wow. Good for him. Congrats to him. What do you think the, the toasts will sound like at that wedding? Oh, I don't know. That <laughs> should be outstanding. And it could be a situation where he does the toast himself. I think he yeah, should. No. I think he should. Well, next week on the show, speaking of professional athletes, we're going to talk to a professional rugby player. I didn't know there were professional rugby players in uh, the United States, but we're going to talk to one. He's from Cleveland. And he's also a podcaster. Zach Strickler is his name. We're going to learn about him next week. Until next week, Ken, take us out. We're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.